billions of dollars in coronavirus state and local fiscal recovery funds are coming to Oklahoma, with a major piece dedicated to helping cities and towns. I'm Ben Felder, and on this week's episode of the OML Podcast, I speak with Oklahoma Municipal League Executive Director Mike Fina about when city leaders can expect this round of funding to be available, how they can go about ensuring their cut, and what the money can be spent on. That's coming up on this week's OML Podcast. All right, Mike, so it's been since March, so several months that we've been hearing about the American Rescue Plan Act of 2021, Um, this $350 billion in emergency funding um, for states and cities and tribal governments, you know, to help as we continue to kind of, well, not just dig our way out of COVID, but continue to deal with the with the impact of the the pandemic. Um, So for several months, we've been waiting to find out, like, you know, when's this money going to arrive? When are cities going to be able to access it? And we've recently received some information on maybe a little bit clear timeline on, on when that stuff is going to fall for us, right? Yes, we did. Uh, actually, this past week, the state requested their funds from uh, the federal government. Uh, what what happens then is that uh, once they have the funds in their account, then they have 30 days to actually disperse those funds. So you talk about the state government requested those funds. So why, why the delay in that? Why did we just why that request just come? No, that's an interesting question. So they, they've been able to to request the funds since around, uh, well, actually June, uh, after Treasury wrote their rules. The state was taking a very careful approach uh, because it was such a massive piece of legislation and there were so many guidelines in there uh, They that they just, I think, were being very thoughtful in, in when they wanted to request those funds. They also wanted to, they did, something that several states have done and that they hired an outside firm that's going to help manage those funds so they wanted to get that that group on board um, and and be prepared for for to be able to, to get the funds out because it's not just our funds it's also their funds as well yeah so that's start the 30-day to- or 30-day clock then for the for the funds to arrive yes it's uh, I, I say that as we sit here today the funds have been requested the 30-day clock technically starts per the legislation the day the money's in their account. So uh, it was requested on the 5th, and I assume the funds will be here at any time. Okay. Well, we could see another 30-day delay as, right, as well. There right? is there there is a provision in there that the state can ask for an additional 30 days, and they most likely will ask for those 30 days, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to take them 60 days to get it out. When the first round of states that asked for their money early uh, ran up on their 30 days, they asked for the extension just because all the Treasury uh, guidance wasn't out, it was, and what was out was just a lot to unpack for, for anybody. So uh, we're, we're still in this, this thoughtful mode of let's do this right. So I believe that at some point the state will ask for that 30-day extension. I don't think they'll take the whole extra 30 days to get the money out. Okay, so the big question that a lot of city officials are going to be asking is uh, how do they get the money? <laughs> Right. Uh, and that, that's where OML comes in. And it's not just OML. I, I've put together a, an incredible municipal team with with our group here at OML, with uh, OMAG, who's our, our municipal assurance group, and then uh, Crawford & Associates, who's one of the premier municipal uh, finance uh, offices in the state. And what we are going to be doing is it, it's really going to start in two phases. One, everybody will get their funds if they want them. They cannot be denied. The state can't hold them. The, the, at this point, if you, you, every city and town in the state of Oklahoma has some 
level of earmark. But in order to get that, there are some things that, that you have to do um, because it's federal dollars. Very simple stuff. If you receive CARES Act money in the original uh, CARES Act yeah. uh, funding, um, you, you probably have most of your stuff already on file with the state in their Salesforce system. If you don't, it's just one extra step. But it's very basic information. It's, it's basically all your accounting information, your bank account, some kind of contact person, your DUNS number, your EIN number, uh, but just general business type information that you have to provide. There are a couple of things that are different than CARES Act. A city is also going to have to sign a terms and condition letter. That's our, a pre-written letter that the federal government provides uh, just so that you understand the program. And then a uh, Civil Rights Act form that, that comes with most every federal dollar that you get. So, so these, those are nothing new. Uh, so, so they'll have to fill that out before they can get their funds. So a pretty straightforward process for cities that want to collect this funds and how they have to go about it. But there is also a 75% provision that will be important to, to keep in mind. Yes. So as soon as the, the municipalities submit all of this information, the last thing that we'll have to do is we'll have to take a look at their pre-COVID budget, which will be their 2020 budget. And that the your allocation cannot exceed 75% of that budget. It's a very simple formula, so we'll be asking when we're when we're collecting all that other information. We're going to be asking cities for basically their front page of their their audit or their budget, so we can just look at those numbers. About eighty percent of the municipalities, that'll be a very simple thing. There might be a few that that we have to take a couple extra steps to 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 make sure that they're getting everything that they're entitled to. It's not a complicated piece, but it's a little bit different than just submitting basic accounting information. But we do have to check that 75%. I mean, what are you hearing from cities in terms of what their biggest needs are right now? I'm just kind of looking through the, the, gui the guidance on, on what this money should be used for. And there's a lot of flexibility like there was last year. Um, you know, not just directly responding to COVID, but just the the secondary impact of COVID, you know, loss of staff, loss, you know, loss of revenue in some other areas, trying to strengthen some departments. But what are you hearing from cities? And I'm sure the needs are different depending on the city and the size and that kind of thing. Well, yeah, I think you have to look at the parameters of the, of the legislation where it gives us the authority to, to spend dollars. Um, I think the most intriguing part of the bill is that you can spend the money on water and wastewater and broadband infrastructure. Oh. Uh, that and I believe that it, water and wastewater is where you're going to see the, the the majority of the municipal dollars spent, just because we have so much needs out there. At first, when I read it, I thought that that's interesting that they would include that. But then, when you dig deeper into into the narrative of the of the American Rescue Plan, and you look that that water is is a public health issue, uh -huh. and this is this is not only designed to get us out of COVID, but it's also designed to get us into the future because this is not the last public health issue we're going to have. Uh, let's hope it's not this bad in the future, but uh, you know, you can just, you can look at, at um, uh, Flint, Michigan. I mean, that was, that was a horrific public health disaster and it took dollars in order to get that system back up to protect those people. Well, what we're trying to do with, with ARPA is avoid those kind of Flint, Michigan things in the future. So uh, I believe the administration, that was a great part to put in there to say, yeah, we can actually prevent things in the future and water is one of those ways. So for people that think it's strange that that's in there, it actually makes perfect sense. Yeah. And you, because, I mean, cities have become pretty... Uh, experienced over the last year plus on responding to those kind of direct COVID, you know, crisis needs. Obviously, you know, conducting safety procedures inside city facilities like City Hall and stuff like that, um, you know, emergency management. 
departments and how they're kind of responding. I mean, not to say that those needs are no, no longer exist, but cities have become pretty good at, at responding to those kind of direct needs. But these are kind of secondary, I guess you could call them needs, you know, still exist. And, you know, especially when we saw fluctuating sales tax revenue coming in, um, you know, there, there was a big hole created for many municipalities. There was. We had some, I, I, I want to point out the good too, though, where there were some saving graces in, in, in that. Uh, with people at home, they were spending a lot more money on Amazon, and mm-hmm. what we saw in a lot of our communities, you know, my, my community, Piedmont, um, it, you know, they saw a significant increase in their use tax because we people were just shopping on mm-hmm. Amazon that normally they might have driven down to Walmart or somewhere else in Oklahoma City to get just because it's not available. So some of our cities did okay on that part of it, but it doesn't change the fact that, I mean, they were stuck at home. Which is, is kind of a good segue into talking about the other part of the, the, the infrastructure, and that's the broadband. Hmm. One thing that we learned that our, our infrastructure for broadband, maybe it's okay in some of our large city centers, but when you step out even into that next ring of municipalities, like just use Piedmont as a good example, that all of a sudden it, it's not great. And if you're working from home, trying to educate your kids from home, some level of health care at home, uh, it's just not adequate. And that's something we learned a hard reality with, with COVID. And so I think that's why you see all of this money going into broadband to, to bolster that infrastructure and also the upcoming infrastructure bill that we talked about last week. You see that in there too. I think I think the country is very much committed to getting broadband from corner to corner of this nation. Yeah, not to get off the topic of conversation, but you talked about that infrastructure bill, which we discussed in the last podcast episode um, and that seems to be moving forward in fact yeah. as we're recording this uh, the Senate is expected to take up the vote here in a few hours today um, so that seems like it's going to be moving forward and will also be a big boost for cities it is and uh, there I know that Washington doesn't doesn't get Washington doesn't get accused of being smart very often but there was a lot of strategy put into the ARPA funding and the infrastructure bill and how they fit together. Uh, in the water and wastewater piece, uh, there there's specific programs that people have to follow. It's the clean water, uh, the, both the revolving funds that they that they administer at OWRB, which are federal programs. But what you'll you'll find in the infrastructure bill is that those programs require a 25% match in most cases. You can use your ARPA funds for that 25% match. Mm. So they thoughtfully put those things together so they would work to get this infrastructure. Interesting, bill. yeah. So, Mike, I'm going through, and you talked about the great resources that OML has in terms of helping cities understand not just how to access the funds here in the coming weeks, but also, you know, what this money can be used on. We talked about infrastructure projects, broadband. Um, there's also a, a proponent here that, or a, a part that says addressing negative economic impacts caused by COVID, uh, and that includes like supporting the recovery of tourism and travel and hospitality. What could that look like for cities? Well, I, I think that's an interesting addition, and it's another one when I first read it thinking, is this appropriate? But when you dig a little bit deeper, you realize that those are the industries that were hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. When we're stuck at home, we're not going to see these great tourism sites in, around the country. That hit Oklahoma municipalities really, really hard. Uh, so the, the thought was is that, hey, let's get some dollars in there so we don't lose these, in some cases, historically significant tourism sites and that, that we can keep those things running and that will help bolster the economy. Uh, I think that, that equally in fighting or, or recovering from COVID, what you see out of ARPA is the rebuilding of the, of the economy. 
Uh, I think that it's right there in the title, American Rescue Plan. It's, so they, they were being thoughtful, trying to think, okay, where do we need to put dollars to make sure that this economy is building back the, the right way? And I, 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 you, you, that's one of those areas, and I think it's really critical, especially for rural, uh, rural America and rural Oklahoma. Yeah, I think back a year ago, just the number of cities in Oklahoma that were canceling large festivals and events um, and for many of these rural communities, I mean, this is the week, the, you know, the big week out of the year where they, you know, they bring in tourists and a lot of local spending. Um, and it's devastating to cancel some of those festivals and events. And it wasn't just the summer, it was the fall. And then you saw cities, you know, wisely, you know, scale back or cancel maybe holiday events and Christmas events, because at the time when you have to do that planning, you just didn't know what, what the situation was going to look like. Um, and it almost feels like we're you know, deja vu again as cases are going up. And so cities are having to kind of make those same decisions about this fall and and, and this winter. Um, so that can be a big, I mean, you know, we saw a lot of cities that were just kind of devastated by just canceling one event or one weekend festival, you know, was a big blow to city budgets. Well, think about, let's use Rush Springs and their watermelon festival. It's that that's a huge hit to the city just because of sales tax. But think about if, you, if you've never been there, you should go check out the Rush Springs watermelon festival. But think about all the vendors that these are people that 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 regularly attend events like that, uh, selling their goods, and you now you've impacted that part of tourism as well. So um, trying to recover from that, you just don't see all the different rabbit trails that 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 extend out for things like a, a Rush Springs watermelon festival. Yeah, it, it just sounds like there's there's some opportunities, especially in this area of of rebuilding local the local economy for cities to kind of be creative and to really kind of use the money in unique um, and impactful ways, uh, you know, w- with this, with this next round of funding. There, there are, there's, there's a lot of guardrails around oh, yeah. the ec- economic development piece. So I don't, I don't want people thinking that they can just use of it course, for, yeah. uh, for general economic development, but in the area of tourism and attracting people back to your community and get your community going in. Yes, there, there, there's a lot of opportunity. And they're releasing more on those particular areas. Treasury is starting to expand what we can spend those dollars on because they're looking at some specific like census track areas uh-huh. that, uh, that 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 would maybe be either low income or redevelopment type areas where they're where they're starting to be a little more flexible on where you can use the funds and, and for what you can use it in those areas. So I think that we're going to see a lot more economic development use of the money as Treasury releases new guidelines. Yeah, and not not the, you know, we expect to see too many cities that are just like, hey, we're good, we don't need, you know, we need the money. If the money's there, um, it's definitely something to take advantage of. But if you're a city official thinking like, well, you know, our infrastructure is in pretty good shape, you know, for the most part, we weathered the storm of COVID, you know, fairly well. We don't have some huge funding needs. Um, it's worth kind of thinking and digging deeper a little bit more and thinking like, oh, yeah, we did have that festival we had to cancel. Or, you know, we have seen some shops on Main Street have to close their doors because of COVID. Um, so yeah, there are a lot of stipulations as there always are with, with federal funds, um, but, but the opportunity to kind of dig deeper and think about, you know, maybe those less obvious um, impacts of COVID, but, but are still very real. So Mike, you know, sticking with the economic development piece for a moment, um, there's also an opportunity for cities to use that funding for, for grants like we saw last year. Yeah, uh, just like with the CARES Act to try and, to try and retain employees, attract new employees, uh, just general business grants. There, there's a lot of flexibility in there, so it will be very much like the CARES Act. And I think that what we learned from the CARES Act is that those business grants were crucial, and a lot, and especially in our rural areas, 
when they were eligible for them. And those are that's dollars that the you know the counties could spend their dollars on that as well. I think the counties are going to have a tough time spending all their dollars because they don't do water and wastewater uh-huh. infrastructure. Uh, so I think those are great opportunities for for counties and cities to look at how to help your businesses. Yeah, another uh, possible use use for this funding is replacing lost revenue. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? It's interesting that they that the replacing lost revenue. You would think just on the that they would just say, okay, check your budget, see what you know, where where was your deficit, and then you can fill that gap. But that's not exactly how they did it. They actually gave. They actually looked and said, well, we were in a pretty good trajectory in the country when COVID hit. And that means that there was a lot of growth, in, in especially in municipalities. And so they, they account for that. So there's a bottom line, I believe, of 4.1% that you can just put in there as a growth model. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there's also a formula that they've put that they put into ARPA where you can go back and actually look at your last three years and average those together using this formula. And if that number's higher than the 4.1%, you can put in the higher number. Hmm. And then you can use that to collect lost road. And that's an interesting one because, like... Um, say anything that you're reimbursing like public safety salaries and then the lost revenue, that, that goes right into your general fund. And now it's an, un, it's an encumbered fund, so you just spend it because that's actually part of your budget that you're, that you're replacing. So we'll, we'll encourage cities as much as they can to get that money into their general fund. So then it's just they, they have a lot more opportunity to, to use those dollars. Another thing I want to ask you about, another uh, possible use of this funding, is uh, you know, premium pay for essential workers. What does that look like? So uh, that is another something new from from uh, CARES Act uh, or an upgrade, I would say. Before we could just claim the salaries that we had lost, but there were municipalities across Oklahoma, across the country, that actually had to lay off municipal employees. So what they've done is they've given us provisions where we can either get those uh, uh, municipal or, or those municipal professionals back on payroll. There's also a, a provision where we can. Uh, reward those public safety positions and critical positions uh, with some premium pay. It'd be one-time type stipend is mm-hmm. probably the best way to describe it. So there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of guardrails on that part, too, and just who you can provide it to. But uh, our frontline workers, um, from police officers, firefighters, EMS, and even our public works people, uh, they really are the ones that put in the extra hours during covid and it just provides us a way to reward them a little bit uh, for all that work. Yeah, and it probably will play a big part in retention, which is going to be—I mean—it's already a huge deal, but um, yeah. you know, could be a, a bigger factor, especially if cases are are rising again. And you know, I, I can imagine a—you know—if you are you know one of those frontline workers who survived the past year, yeah. you know, probably felt like a couple months ago that we're, we were kind of entering a you know the end of this, and now as cases rise again, it'd probably be easy to really feel you know, really dejected in, exactly. on a lot of ways. And this pay could be a really critical factor. It is. And, and uh, we talked about private business, too. So there's a, there's provisions in the pay where when we talked about cities being able to put grants out there, that's one of the things that they could do for the, even their private sector. Because uh, the simple people that nobody thought of that got hit so hard during COVID, uh, grocery store workers, mm-hmm. janitors, people like that that are doing, that are really making this country turn and uh, but being able to uh, go back and and either retain them for some of our local businesses really important for local economies 
Uh, so they, they put provisions in there for that as well. And Mike, finally, you know, we've been talking about the money that's going to be flowing to cities. Um, you know, the state's going to be a big recipient as well with a one point, you know, $1.9 billion going to the state of Oklahoma. I mean, just quickly, how, how is that money going to be used? So everybody's clear. There's, there's two pots of money here. Uh, well, actually, there's more than that. The, the, but municipalities have their earmarked. And that's different than the $1.9 billion that the state has. And then the schools and some other areas have, have their, their money as well. Uh, but the state, uh, there, there are several things that they, that they have to do, according to ARPA, where they'll have to place that money in certain areas. But I think one of the interesting things that they're talking about is, one, doing a significant investment in broadband expansion, which would be eligible. They're also talking about potentially putting together a type matching grant type funding for our municipalities who are spending their money on infrastructure, whether it be water, wastewater, or broadband. So there's going to be opportunities for municipalities to maximize their dollars based on what the state's going to do. So I know that there'll be something that looks like that. We just don't have the details yet. But I can I would imagine that sometime late in the fall, we'll start to see information from the state on that. Well, um, a lot of uh, a lot of information out there, a lot of questions, and, and OML's got a lot of resources. Uh, where can people find more of those resources and access that when they have questions? Well, obviously, at, at our website, OML.org, but, I, but also let me, let me talk about the, the state effort just a little bit. Sure. So the state has hired a PMO or professional management office that will be coming on very soon. In fact, I believe they're already doing some work. One of the, one of the things that they'll be doing in, in conjunction with the OMES at the state is uh, developing a website that will be a one-stop shop. And what we've committed to at OML is that we're going to have all of our stuff on there because we're going to be assisting them in signing cities up. So you'll be able to find a centralized place with the state uh, that's not up yet. So for now, and we will be announcing when it's up just as soon as we can, but for now, go to OML.org. We have a lot of information up there. But then there'll be a a more comprehensive uh, place for for people to go when the state gets their information up. Yeah, well, uh, a lot of great resources for city officials as we see this next round of funding um, arrive here in the coming weeks. Mike, thanks so much for your time. Thanks.